1: the Browns suck. I hate the Browns so goddamn much. You are a factory of sadness. I'm fucking tired of fucking losing. Now hear me out. I'm Andre Knight I was born and raised in Northeast Ohio. I was a pretty good athlete in high school. I ran the football for St. Vincent, St. Mary. Some people say I'm the second best athlete to come out of there. St. Vincent, St. Mary led by LeBron James. who had- Like most people from Northeast Ohio, I grew up a diehard Browns fan. I know everyone says they love the team where they're from, but in Cleveland, it's just different. Football was founded in Ohio. Ohio is the fucking bedrock of the game. Canton, Ohio, pro football was born here in 1920. That's why it's been so painful for the last 20 years. The Cleveland Browns have been the worst goddamn professional sports team in America. Here we go, In the 50s and 60s, the Browns were the model franchise. The Cleveland Browns are the champions of all professional football. They were legends. Jim Brown, Otto Graham, the namesake, Paul Brown. How in God's green earth did the Browns stay this bad for this long? The NFL is designed for parody. The bad teams are given the best chance to get better through the draft and scheduling. And yet, the Browns have been a monumental dumpster fire year after year after year. And through it all, the Browns fans stayed. We Brown fans are nuts. I will see you all right here when the Cleveland Browns win the Super Bowl. And I'm out. This is the unbelievable story about a team that was the Michael Jordan of losing, the New England Patriots of dysfunction. A story about the fans and the city that stuck with the Browns in spite of it all. The Red Sox reversed the curse in 04. In 2016, the Cubs, They did what they did, which leaves the Browns, the last great American underdog story. But to be an underdog, you got to start at the bottom. So we're going back to the worst year of it all, 2017, the real rock bottom. Buckle up folks, I'm Andre Knott. Welcome to Brownstown. When you think about the saddest thing that happened since they've been back. Like the worst period, was it 0-16? Was it Brandon sure. Whedon?
0: No, it was 0-16, 0-16. You ever seen team going
1: 0-16? 0-16, 1-15, Hugh Jackson. I was there when he got fired after the 0-16 uh, season. You know, Browns fan, you got to be tough. That's just all there is to it. You got to be tough. You got to know how to cry, and when to cry, and when not to cry, and you know, when to just throw your arms and say, okay. I'm going to move on to something else for now. Zero wins, 16 fucking losses on New Year's Eve, 2017. The Cleveland Browns did what they do best. Lose in demoralizing fashion to the Pittsburgh Steelers at Heinz Field. Kaiser under pressure somehow escapes. Kaiser's pass is incomplete right through the hands of Coleman. And he can't believe it the worst part was the browns actually made a game of it deshaun kaiser threw for 300 yards and two tds josh gordon stopped smoking long enough to rack up 115 yards receiving and the browns even got within four points after making a field goal don't get me started on field goals longtime no Longtime voice of the browns jim donovan knew nobody was enjoying the games But he was still trying to keep fans from turning off the radio and running towards the 480 bridge. Maybe this will be the day. That was the attitude that you always took. And you never know what's going to happen. You never know what's going to happen in a game. Even when the Browns are 0-16, it's not predetermined. Things can happen and they can win the game. You have to be prepared for that. But you have to be honest, too. I mean, if it's not going well, you have to be able to say it's not going well. Believe me. And that day, it did not go well they crushed our dreams. Football infamy for the 2017 Cleveland Browns. Other teams have gone winless. The 1976 expansion Buccaneers had gone 0-14. The 2008 Lions had gone 0-16. But this time, going winless just felt different. The season before, the Browns also went 1-15, meaning they had the lowest two-season win total in NFL history. This was an historic rock bottom, yet Browns fans stuck around. It's hard to articulate how much Browns fans love this team. Former Browns special teams ace and Cleveland demigod, Josh Cribbs knows all about it.
0: I understand the diehard nature of the fans. It's almost as if, if we didn't have no sports teams, everybody would just cease to function. They'd be like, why? Why do I? Why should I work? It'd be like a town that the mill runs dry, the factory ran dry, so everybody gotta leave town. And that's I. I feel like that'd happen if all the sports team left. It's like the streets would be meaningless here in Cleveland because this is such a a
1: fandom town. You live and breathe for your sports team. And despite losing his last game and all other games but one in 2016 and 2017. Head coach Hugh Jackson somehow kept his fucking job. When I say Hugh Jackson, what do you mean think about? Hugh Jackson trash. Why didn't they fire Jackson? Well, basically ownership had tried that before. I mean, they fired everyone. Coaches, GMs, presidents, nearly annually. The fans were sick of new faces, and it would seem the devil they knew was better than the devil they didn't. They even extended Jackson. But honestly we would need a whole other podcast to talk about that decision. To be fair to Hugh, and that's tough, everyone was on his bandwagon in 2016 when he was hired away from the rival Cincinnati Bengals. We got the right guy for the Cleveland Browns. Um, He is smart, he's tough, he's confident, he's competitive. Um, He's been a head coach before, and I think he's going to be a great head coach for the Cleveland Browns. Brown's owner, Jimmy Haslam, thought he made the right choice. That's why he made it. But so did others. ESPN and SP Nation ranked Jackson as the best coaching hire of 2016. Fans, like Cleveland-based comedian Mike Polk, were enthusiastic as ever. This fan base doesn't help when we're making these hires. You know, like, we were excited about Hugh Jackson. We liked, you know, and who wouldn't? He's a good story, and he said the right things and stuff like that. But... Uh, I, he depresses me. I honestly can't even, I can't. He bums me out, man. Like he's, he's so transparent in his insecurities and what he's trying to do all the time. And he's not getting away with anything. It's just embarrassing to watch. What the fans didn't know was that Hugh Jackson had been set up to fail. You see, Jackson had been hired by then VP of football operations, Sashi Brown, who everyone kept saying is an analytics guy like Brad Pitt and Moneyball, and Sashi immediately start tearing the team down to the studs. It was the NFL version of Sam Hinkie's Philadelphia 76ers process. What the process does is it builds in a failure period to maximize draft ad sets, which was a great idea for the Browns who had proven to be very good at failing. The one small problem with this plan was nobody told Hugh Jackson anything about it.
0: What I was told is that football was going to lead analytics. And to me, that was never the case. Analytics led football.
1: That was from an interview with BNC News. But you're going to hear a version of this story a lot. Brown's ownership, sometimes accidentally and sometimes on purpose, pits their front office against their coaching staff or their coaching staff against their quarterback or the coaching staff against the fans. This time, they had Sashi Brown's burn-it-to-the-ground strategy versus Hugh Jackson's trying to prove he was a viable head coach. Pat McManaman knew what would went out because the roster was fucking awful. If you remember the game in London they played, they lost to Minnesota. And in the post game, he very matter-of-factly stood at the front of the room and, and said, you know, we, we were in it for a half, then we made some mistakes. And, you know, the way this team is, we got to be perfect to have a chance to win a game. And when he said it, I said to myself, yeah, he's right. This roster is so bad that they cannot afford a single error. And I think that the players on the team who've been around a while understood that they had given him a roster and get, tried to tell him to win with one hand tied behind his back. Now, could he have won three games? Yeah, sure. You know, But is the town or is anyone going to be any happier if he's 3-13? and 13? No. I don't know, Pat. I think the fans may have been happier. That was basically their average number of wins over five previous seasons. You might have rather won two, 3-13 means you're fired. But 0-16 means you're fired and never head coaching again. Hugh's pain was Sashi's game. 0-16 was going to plan Sashi's plan. If you think about it that way, the Browns had a great season. Absolutely fucking not. Hey, man, you got to give me something.
0: Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com bluewire. That's harrys.com bluewire for a $3 trial set.
1: I wasn't the only fan looking for something positive to take from a garbage year. Browns fans planned a perfect season parade. They trudged through the slushy streets of Cleveland on January 6th in six degree weather, celebrating being the best at being the worst. This pissed me off. I don't know why it hurts so much. NFL Red Zone's Andrew Siciliano sums it up. I mean, 0-16, it was effing brutal. But I hate the woe is me shit, okay? Like the people that showed up for an 0-16 parade saying, oh, well, we deserve to let our voices heard." Yes, you do. Always let your voice heard. okay? But stop dealing into the 0-16. Oh, it's the Browns. Like we suck narrative, stop it. I hate that loser attitude. And I want Browns fans to move past that. No matter how the fans or the media felt, the team now had the number one pick in the draft, a bunch of other picks to make, and a ton of cap space to burn. It was easy to look up because there wasn't any further down to go. But there was one last embarrassment waiting for Cleveland before they could flush the 2017 season. A promise made the season before that would haunt their head coach.
0: If we're sitting here a year from now after another 1-in-15 season. I can't, I can't do that. What would that? I can't do that. <laughs> I mean, we're not gonna do that. So and we can stop right there. I'm not doing that.
1: You're not
0: talking about it? You're not no, I'm, 15. Not, we're not, I'm not going 1-in-15, no. I'll be swimming in the lake over
1: there somewhere. So that's not happening. In 2016, Hugh promised to jump in Lake Erie if the team went one and 15 again. You know, the lake fed by this river.
0: The Cuyahoga River as it reaches Lake Erie after a 100 mile twisting and turning journey from its headwaters is an exhausted stream, abused and misused by man and his machines. The
1: 1969 River Fire actually led to the creation of the Environmental Protection Agency. So I guess what I'm saying is, you're welcome, America. Anyway, the stakes were high for Hugh. And as we just recounted, he won no games. So on June 1st, 2018, he made the plunge. (laughs) safety, or maybe just out of sheer embarrassment, the Browns wouldn't tell anyone where he was jumping in the lake. But news crews found him anyway, just in time to catch Jackson's whole ass hanging out of his trunks after he dove in. In a way, Hugh's ass felt like a symbol of the problems of the Browns' organization laid bare. And while it wasn't all his fault for sure, Jackson lost 11 of 12 games that were decided by seven points or fewer. So still probably a bad head coach. But in the end, this was the ultimate football futility. Brown's journalist and historian Terry Pluto knows that sucking is the Brown's most prized tradition.
0: What every new regime didn't realize is that when you come in, you inherit the sins of the past. And on top of it, you are almost blamed for it even though you weren't here. It didn't take long after the initial hope that this will be different, all of a sudden the list of sins would go next to your name, most of which you didn't commit. You know, they messed up some too, but again, they always inherit the sins of the past.
1: It's this chain of events, the mistakes that snowballed out of control, the ever-increasing fan impatience to be good, the vast list of names who have come through the turnstile at owner and head coach and GM, and quarterback that tells the story of the Cleveland Browns and why us fans still love them after they have sucked beyond all reason for 20 seasons. They say tragedy plus time equals comedy. If that's the case, the Browns are the funniest sitcom of the last 20 years. But in order to enjoy the show, you got to go all the way back to 1995, to the original sin.
0: Do you remember where you were when Art Modell took the team away?
1: Yes, I was in Iraq. Oh, wow. (laughs) I I was the worst day of my life, and I was in Iraq. (laughs) Like, were there other Browns fans? Oh, yeah, we cried. Grown men in Iraq crying when he took that team out of here. That's next time on Brownstown. Brownstown is hosted and reported by me, Andre Knott. Produced and written by Harry Swartow and Peter Moses. Edited by Isabel Jocelyn. Music by Brian Decker. Production coordination by Devin Shepard. And production assistance by Miriam Khan, Michael Ehrlich, Shwepa Surindran, and Zach Jackson. Brownstown is a Blue Wire podcast and executive produced by Peter Moses and John Yells. See you next time.